Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Galloway and Isabel podcast. My name is Thomas Galloway. To my left, Evan Isabel. How are you doing, Evan? Doing pretty, uh, I'm sick, but it's fine. We're going to power through. And your voice sounds perfect for this. I know. It's, I, I couldn't have had a better cold to have a good podcast. This is ideal. Right, right. And to my right, no Galloway. Noah, how are you doing? I'm great. Okay. So we have uh, some stuff to talk about today, but before we get into all of that, this podcast is brought to you by Morning Bell Coffee Roasters. Morning Bell offers a diverse and unique selection of specialty coffees and have direct personal relationships with their suppliers. You can visit Morning Bell at 111 Main Street in Ames, Iowa, or get their coffee at the Wheatfield Co-op or either Hy-Vee location in Ames. If you do not live in the Ames area, that is not a problem. You can order off their website, morningbellcoffee.com, and shipping is free anywhere in the United States if you order over two pounds of coffee. And whether you visit the actual location or order online, let them know we sent you. Okay, so Evan, what do we have to talk about today? So uh, first off, I'm going to give a little intro to my, about myself. So for the past four years, I've been studying Spanish. I started first with my uh, community college at DMACC, and my first inspiration, who is Camila Vera from... She's from Colombia. Uh, she was my teacher. And uh, after a while, we, I used to go talk to her all the time. She would tutor me a lot. And one day she told me, Evan, you have to get out of Iowa. You have to get out of the United States. You have to go study somewhere. And so that, like, the next day, I went looking for a study abroad online. And the following summer, I was in Costa Rica studying Spanish. Um, and then I started studying my bachelor's degree at Iowa State. And I did another study abroad to Spain. Um, and that was amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm currently getting my bachelor's degree in the World Language and Cultures program for Spanish. Uh, so I wanted to do this podcast on what inspired me to do, um, to study Spanish, uh, to study Castilian Spanish and the cultures that come out of the Spanish speaking world. This podcast today is about the spread of Spanish language throughout the world. So obviously Spanish originated from Spain, um, officially, uh, or specifically the Iberian Peninsula, which is yeah, modern-day Spain. There's, there were some uh, originally some different kingdoms that were fighting for power. And then in, in 1492, the first Castilian Spanish grammar book was written by Antonio de Nebrija. Which sounds super boring, right? It's just like a grammar book. It's super boring. But this is a big deal because it was an important tool to create a unified empire. And then that empire started spreading, like, I mean, 1492, this is a big date. Christopher Columbus, otherwise known as, like, Cristobal Colón, sailed, like, the sea and was like, yo, I'm in Asia, right? And right. people were like, yo, this ain't Asia. This is not Asia. <laughs> okay, it's Asia. And he's like, dude, I got to write to the king and queen. Like, they're going to freak out on me. So he's like, yo, we found this really amazing land. We got to, like, take it over. Definitely. Um, I sailed the whole ocean blue for this. Sailed the whole ocean blue. And like, we're not really sure. Like, I'm not sure if he ever found out that it wasn't Asia. Like yeah. there wasn't a lot of information. Right. Um, and there weren't like a lot of like, I don't, from my, like my understanding, there were like a lot of Asian dudes on the voyage to, um, the Americas because like there wasn't a lot of contact. So, right, right. but anyway, getting back on topic, um, in, March, 11, like the 11th of March, 1778, uh, we have the Treaty of El Pardo, which is a treaty between Spain and Portugal. Spain wanted to get in on the slave trade, which is like unfortunate, but like 
this isn't like a big deal for these empires. Mm. So uh, Portugal wanted a ton of land from Spain. Uh, Spain was like had like all of South America, um, a little bit of like North America, actually a ton of North America, I think. Um, the thing is, Portugal wanted some of that land because they're like, yo, we want some of that Americas. Yeah. And uh, so Portugal was like, yo, Spain, you want this like 10,000 square mile plot of land in Africa? And Spain was like, yo, take like a ton of South America. We want that land. And so, uh, yeah, now, now we have this 10,830 square mile plot of land, which is now called Equatorial Guinea. It is currently the smallest Spanish-speaking country in the world. Um, and it's in Africa. It's, it's in Equatorial Guinea, which means like equatorial, like equator. So halfway down on the left side, or if you know how to read directions, uh, halfway down on the west side. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting um, to think about. Because this is, I didn't know about Equatorial Guinea before I started speaking Spanish. I didn't know that there was a Spanish-speaking country. Um, yeah. And actually, believe it or not, there's two cities in northern Africa that are actually part of Spain, but that's a different topic. Uh, just a fun fact. And uh, but yeah, did you guys did you guys know about Equatorial Guinea before I, I showed you guys these videos about Equatorial Guinea? The, all I knew about no, Equatorial Guinea was just that it had to be on the equator. Boom! Was like that was literally all I knew. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the, something. Yeah, yeah. That is kind. Of, so they were basically like, you can have Brazil. We just want Equatorial Guinea. Almost. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that's pretty wild. Well, the thing is, like, Spain didn't have any like any slaves, which is like, I mean, they were trying. They they were trying to make slaves out of like the the natives which is right. unfortunate like so many like natives died it was terrifying like to look back at this and then like what's kind of messed up is that like uh so when i studied in, in spain i studied in carthoris and um there's this uh oh what's his name i think it was cortez cortez is one of the most um infamous or right. famous um they were talking about him and Sapiens, how when he came to uh, South America or uh, Latin America, wherever it was that he started out, that he just basically told everyone that he had the authority of the king, queen of Spain behind him when he didn't really have any of it <laughs> and just told everybody. And they also, did, wasn't he the guy they thought was just some kind of god? Oh, yeah. The, because so, he, he showed horses, up with right? ships and horses. Yeah, and so Hernan Cortez, he was the one that conquered uh, pretty much Mexico. So he... he Oh, he was the one that fought the Aztecs. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty disgusting, like, his story, because, well, actually, so some of it was cool, but then some <laughs> of it's disgusting, and, right. uh, oh, what is it? So, yeah, they were, like, trying to make a deal with the emperor of uh, the Aztecs. I don't want to get this wrong, because, like, it's really embarrassing when you get this wrong, like, because you can... Aztecs. So you got the Aztecs and you got uh, the Mayans. The Mayans, yeah. But I'm pretty sure he was. This was the Aztecs. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just saying like things today. Sound like Mayans, Aztecs, Mayans, Incas, Incas, Aztecs. But no, he was. I'm pretty sure Hernan Cortez um, was trying to con. Yeah, he he was like conquering mainland was not a now Mexico, and um, he. What was he doing? Montezuma. Montezuma was the king of the uh, the Aztecs, right? And so he ended up like they ended up like butting heads, and then I think okay, yeah, Montezuma ended up getting killed by his own people. 
because oh, okay. he was like not like super well liked. And then um, basically the Spanish just like slaughtered like a ton of people. Um, I think what happened was like there was like twelve Spanish soldiers that died, and then they were like, "Yo, this can't happen," so they went and like killed like a ton of people. Nice. So oh, okay. Anyway, back on track. What were we talking about? Uh, the Equatorial. Equatorial Guinea. Equatorial yeah. Guinea. So yeah, um, Spain traded like a ton of land for Equatorial Guinea. Um, I didn't realize they had so much oil. Yeah. So uh, like, I did not. You always hear about Saudi Arabia and all these places, but you never hear about Equatorial. Yeah, Guinea. and the vice president makes a hundred thousand a year, but he's worth like a few hundred million, I think. Or his right? government salary is less than a hundred thousand a year, but he makes right. like. 300 million. Well, and he then, finds out, finds ways to get 300 million. Finds ways to get 300 million. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think 75% of the country is living in poverty, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, which is, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's the world's like, uh, it was, I think they said Africa's highest GDP. Yeah. Um, but they have like living situations that are not like comparable to these GDPs. Like it doesn't make yeah, sense. Right. Um, I mean, it, when you look at the situation, it makes sense because the um, country's got oil. They're producing. They're yeah. producing oil, but that money does not go to 100% of the population. Yeah. Um, it goes to a very small percent right, of the right. population, <laughs> as you can see. Um, so Yeah, and then they built those 54 mansions that aren't used anymore, right? Yeah, so this country well, is like... Real quick, do you want to just like list off the videos that we wa- that we were watching? Yeah, that's a very good idea. So um, I will I do that. I have them here as well, I think. Um in a the, couple minutes. Yeah, just, right, you know, right, in a couple right. seconds. You know, they could... Hey, everyone can yeah. chill for half a second. Okay, yeah, I'm right here. Chill out, bro. We, we're uh, looking the, these up. The first video is Inside Japan Chicano Subculture. And the next two are by Equatorial Guinea. Instagram Playboy is also the vice president of Equatorial Guinea. And the third video, What is Equatorial Guinea? In parentheses, they speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy was... Uh, I mean, like, yeah, it's a, it's a important point to note that yeah. they speak Spanish in um, Equatorial Guinea. Um, yeah. I thought that was um, like really cool when I found that out. I was yeah. like, well, Spanish-speaking country in Africa. That's wild. I would not have guessed that. Um, okay, so we're, yeah, the, the, the vice president being just this guy who goes insane on Instagram is pretty wild. Hmm. Right. This He's, is kind of a wild thought. I You know, like... I was like watching it and thinking about, hmm. So like, occasionally we complain about our leader, mm-hmm. or some some people do. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, like a lot of people do. A lot yeah. of people do. <laughs> you know, the popular vote. I mean, over half or something like that. Uh, but I mean, that guy was just insane. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was crazy. Wasn't like, like amidst his trial or something, he was out on a safari petting lions. Yeah. Something. So this dude, he's like, I can't remember what he did for to get on trial, but he's got like ton of property in France like I think it was 25 million dollars worth of property in France and then then like he's got he's like going on trial and he's out on safari just like <laughs> taking photos with animals yeah it's like dude yeah rubbing lions doing? bellies <laughs> yeah uh the, the whole uh so it reminds me of a story that Neil deGrasse Tyson told on Joe Rogan's podcast we talk about Christopher Columbus how he yeah. needed he needed food to get he was Someplace, I don't know if it's Latin America or maybe it was here actually. In, uh, Wait, Christopher Columbus? Yeah, in modern day U- U.S. At oh. some point, in one of his expeditions, I don't know if it's before or after, whenever it was. Okay. But he was trying to get back across the Atlantic. 
and he needed food to get his people back. And so he told, and he knew the cycle of the eclipses or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, So he told that, told the, um, the native people that if they didn't give him food, he was going to wait there. And then in a week, their God was going to, you know, whatever a solar eclipse does. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like he, he knew the schedule. Yeah, I could, I, could, I, could, I, could, I could buy that. Like, dude, Christopher Columbus, he would like, he was a like he was a pretty smart guy. Like, he'd lie to his own crew, and he would just like because he didn't want he wanted to be like the only one that knew. Like, so uh, when the king and queen of Spain, Isabel and Ferdinand, Ferdinand, man, I think that's wrong. Well, Isabel is the important one. The girl is like the important one, the queen. But when they sent. Um, Columbus, Christopher Columbus over, they were like, yo, whoever sees land first gets this cool prize, right? Like, yeah. really cool prize. And uh, Christopher Columbus, he was like, all right, whoever sees land first, you guys get a cool prize. But then he ended up just taking the prize. Uh, uh, so yeah. that was kind of amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, like, they would, like, <laughs> with the Nate, like, the indigenous people of the, the Americas, they would be like, yo bring us your gold and like they'd bring gold and then like they'd give them like sand <laughs> they'd give them like pieces of glass oh, and yeah. broken trinkets and stuff that's cold dude, dude was not a nice guy yeah yeah so what else we got so the other thing i wanted to talk about today was uh this that article by um tom thompson uh, hernandez and uh, this dude wrote an article called uh, How My Southeast LA Culture Got to Japan. And then the subtitle says, I grew up with Chicano and Chicana culture in Los Angeles and I and heard it spread to Japan. I wonder, is this cultural appropriation? So I, said, I thought, I was like, wow, this is a really interesting article. And, um, but yeah, the, so like, this is the last thing I want to talk about. Um, just about how the various cultures of the Spanish-speaking world, like, just how far they've gone. Um, on the one hand, we have, like, Spanish trap music with artists like Bad Bunny, who's currently at the 29th most listened to artist. Like, he's 29th most listened to artist in the world on Spotify. That's um, crazy. But, yeah, what I want to talk about is this article, how myself, Southeast LA culture got to Japan. Um First of all, what do you guys think? Do you guys like it? Yeah, it's an interesting video. Yeah. Uh, it is really interesting, like, what, uh, how, the process in which cultures get adopted by other cultures, like, what intrigues them about mm-hmm. those. Like, I just finished uh, the super long jazz documentary. Oh, yeah? You want to tell yeah. us about that? Like, it was really interesting. How long is it? <laughs> it's, yeah, I don't know if I mentioned this before, guys. <laughs> Have you ever mentioned how long your jazz documentary I don't know. Was it like, I'm having a hard time remembering, honestly, but it could be like, 18 hours or more? <laughs> I don't really know for sure. Wow, that's dedicated. Who knows? I got lost in the moments. But, it, yeah, it was really interesting because obviously a huge theme of this was, you know, uh, why musicians getting into it and then adopting it. And at times when it was, and then commercializing it. And mm-hmm. in the late, late 20s and early 30s, the, the black musicians got popular and then the white musicians took it and actually were able to get record deals and yeah. all that stuff and actually make money off it, actually monetize it. Mm-hmm. And so obviously that's... That's like that's, obvious cultural appropriation. That's right. Like, that's why people do not like cultural appropriation. Yeah. And not only is it disingenuous, but they're the only ones they're able to make actually money, make money yeah. off of it. 
Which is ridiculous. Um, yeah, because people actually came out and saw them. And then even the artists, even the white artists who wanted to have black musicians in their bands or vice versa, really just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I mean, the black black bands can have white musicians a little more easily. But then black musicians would get upset, like, you know, there's only so many jobs to go around where you give them mm-hmm. black musicians. And then vice versa, and white bands couldn't really have black musicians. Otherwise, they can perform a lot of places. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of that. And it just... There's definitely a certain amount of period of time where the people who started the art didn't get any really benefits. Yeah. Exactly. That's like a big theme. Like a lot of like I mean like a lot of people I'm pretty sure they still do, but like a lot of people used to get screwed over big time in the music industry. There'd be artists that like like oh, I can't remember who it was, but like it was this huge artist that I used to love listening to and I like was reading an article about him and it was like this dude was broke like his whole career he was broke but he was like world like he had a top 10 music like a song on the top 10 chart but he's all his whole life he's broke that's crazy yeah there's i mean part of it is like well sometimes you're just the money's going to the wrong people mm-hmm. in the situations yeah but yeah i thought it was really interesting how like this culture so i, I did a little bit more digging into yeah. uh this article and there was people saying that like well, on the one hand, how can it be cultural appropriation? Because there there's Japanese that come from, that are in L.A. Right. And if you're bringing, like, if there's a Japanese group in L.A. and then they go back to Japan and they bring back their culture with them, that's not, like, really appropriation. That's just cultural transmission. That's just cultural exchange. Yeah. Um, so there's people saying that. But I think the, the most important thing to me, the most interesting thing was... Uh, just how far the culture has gone, like how far it's gone. Um, like we can look at like Korea, like Korean pop music. Like that yeah. is something that's like, that blew me away. Like I don't listen to it and I really don't enjoy Like at this morning, I was having a hard time getting up. So I put on a Korean pop song yeah. to like annoy me. <laughs> so I would wake up and it worked. Um, and it worked perfectly. Nice. The song is called, uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, Fancy. It's called Fancy. If you want, if you want to like, how if you want to know what it's like to be like a nine-year-old girl with too much sugar just listen to this song and you'll be like wow no i know this is intense um but yeah korean pop music is something that's insane like it's it like i i used to go on uh omegle and put it so that i would like get spanish-speaking countries or spanish-speaking people and like so because of this i would speak be speaking to like a bunch of different people throughout the world and um like, a lot of the times I would talk to people and they'd be like, yeah, listen to K-pop. I'm like, wait, what? Like, right. like this is like when I started like being like, wow, K-pop is like a big deal. And then you yeah, look into right. it and you're like, K-pop's like everywhere. Um, they're like selling out stadiums and stuff. In LA. They sell out, yeah, they sell out stadiums like even the in the place. States, which is, I mean, shouldn't be that big of a surprise, but like, I mean, it was. When a I little bit, yeah. Did they perform the Grammys or was that someone else? I, that's, a, yeah, they did. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Or they're definitely... That sounds really familiar. Or they familiar. presented at least. It's been a it's been a while. That's a whole two months ago. <laughs> so, what got you interested in Equatorial Guinea? Okay, so uh, it was about like two years ago, um, and I was taking this class on business, international business, with like a focus on like Spanish, and so we talk about like um, business words that I've now forgotten, unfortunately, and um, but in Spanish, obviously. And we talk about negocio, negocios, uh, sorry, business, like trade and stuff, trade. Yeah. Um, my professor, Elisa Riso, 
she was very passionate about uh, Equatorial Guinea. She okay. she did um, I think research there. She made trips to Equatorial Guinea, and so she was the first one that brought it up. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. That's uh, super interesting. And I, I mean, I haven't done a ton of research on it, just enough to like know some basic facts about it and some interesting information. Um, but you'd be surprised. There's like a ton of like native Spanish, Spanish speakers that don't know that Equatorial Guinea exists. Right. Um, just, I mean, like, a ton of people that don't know exist, which is fine, like, it's okay if you don't know about things, but, like, it's just a really interesting fun fact. Yeah. Uh, it, they said, so, the guy who has all the Instagram posts is the vice president, yeah. and his dad is the president, so what is their government, like, their government structure, it seems like, is some kind of, definitely in the family. Yeah, so, that's a good question. Pass that down. Um, I'm pretty sure that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know that much about it, but I do know that it's very... Um, definitely doesn't feel like a democracy. It doesn't feel like a good democracy. Uh, yeah, definitely doesn't. The people don't... I don't think the people feel like they're, they're safe speaking about politics. Um, from what we, we talked about in class, it seems like the people... They are very afraid. Um, right. Like supposedly they have um, freedom of freedom to speak uh, about politics, but uh, like it's very obvious that this is not like a real like intended. Um, what do you call it? Right that right. they're trying to enforce. It's like the opposite. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me. Okay, so I did a podcast about. China and with a professor, political science professor at Iowa State. Oh, what's his what's uh, name? Jonathan Hasid. Jonathan Hasid. Okay. Was, so he's expert in China. You can find that on the Galloway Law Podcast. Ooh. Yeah. I'd love to check uh, that out later. Can, can never resist the opportunity to plug my podcast. Oh, yeah. But he was talking about how China, like, they do have some specific freedoms as far as the press goes, mm-hmm. but... There's so many gray areas as far as what's actually allowed. Yeah. That what is officially allowed isn't really allowed. Exactly. And also it's a constantly a moving target. So these so reporters are never really sure quite what they can report on. Yeah. And it's very possible they could report on something and then with and then a year later that thing is deemed to be something they cannot report mm. on and then they get in trouble. And at the in twenty eleven, I think when they finished up this study, it was approximately twenty eleven. That they had, they had like thirty journalists in jail, which is the most of any country, just ahead of uh, some country in the Middle East, and I think they're still near the top of that list. Now, I mean, thirty in a country the size of China doesn't seem like a lot, but those are only the ones that actually tested the limits mm-hmm. of what's allowed. Whereas there's tons of, even when you have thirty journalists in jail, you also have a bunch of journalists who just won't even try anything. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to test limits at all. They've learned their lesson. Yeah, like the. I've done a, I mean, just because I'm in this uh, China Today class, I've read a little bit about this, and it's, yeah, it's a little, um, it's really interesting, because you definitely can't be talking about Tiananmen Square on social media, right. that's not going to fly, but the, yeah, like, they actually do, I mean, they have, they have freedoms um, that are given to them, but yeah, there, it seems like there's some gray areas yeah. that um, you might not want to test. Right. Um, I I found it really interesting when I went to Spain that uh, you can't make fun of the like the king like you're not allowed to make fun of the king on social media, which I thought was like wow that's crazy like I 
don't know how I would react if I wasn't allowed to make fun of Trump. Like, if I'm not allowed to make fun of Donald Trump, then what is the point? What's like, the point of social media? What's the point yeah. of social? What's the point of anything if I can't make fun of Trump? Like that's what I'm doing right now. Like, is this podcast gonna get taken down because Trump's a goofball? No. Right. right. Yeah. And well, that's what I was thinking earlier when we were looking at like the how ludicrous some of the things that guy was posting on Instagram, the vice president, and then you think about like. We could have a situation like that potentially. Wait, what happened with Ludacris? Well, just uh, no, like the the Ludacris isn't like insane. Oh, I thought you were talking about the rapper. <laughs> I was like, what did Ludacris do that poor boy? <laughs> He's such a stand up guy. Yeah, no, no, Ludacris is good. Uh, just the insanity of it. Oh yeah, the ludicrousness. Of ludicrousness it. of it, and ludicrosity, and <laughs> so okay. But we have either we we have like certain structures in place that would keep. That it feels like it'd be less likely for something like that to happen, mm. where like some some kind of crazy guy could just sort of run our country. Yeah. Now, like we kind of feel like he might be running our country, because he's not. I mean, whatever you think about Trump, I think stability is not what comes to mind. No, oh, yeah. Definitely, he's definitely not stable. But we have a system that makes it more difficult for him to be not stable. It just makes it harder for him to do that. Okay. Um. Mm. Which is nice, which is somewhat comforting. Yeah. Um, oh man, what was I gonna say? Oh no, this cold's getting my head. So it happens, dude. Yeah. The voice is on point, but, but you the don't, head's gone. The head's gone, and you know what? That's a trade-off you take. So and uh, generally, worth it. It's worth it. I'll, <laughs> worth I'll, it. I'll take the voice any day over quality thought. Yeah. Process. Yeah. Exactly. Like, the, the who needs a degree when you've got a good voice? Like, if I have, if I had this voice out of high school, I'd have been like, no, I'm not going to college. I'm going to go <laughs> on air right. and become a radio man because yeah. my voice is unique and growly exactly. and scratchy. Exactly. And it's so cool. <laughs> just and I just want to have an audio file. Keep saying it. words. It just keep the, speaking. Well, here's a dirty little secret about podcasts is a lot of the time people are doing other stuff as they're listening to podcasts. So the most important thing is to have a voice that is kind of like relaxing, relaxing, and yeah. you know, you guys just dude. Don't. Have you heard the podcast? Uh, speak to oh, it's his, oh, Cam. What's his name? Anyway, it's this dude that speaks to you. He just rambles. He just does, he talks about <laughs> random stuff. It doesn't even make sense half the time. Like if you were to listen to this guy throughout the day, you'd be like, "What is this guy talking about?" But it's just specifically so like he can bore you to sleep. Yeah. And, like, I used to listen to him, man. I used to just, like, pop him in and be like, oh, this, this guy's interesting. He's the guy with a voice. <laughs> he just speaks. This, I kind of want to do a podcast, like, every day, just by myself. Yeah? And just talking in the mic like this. Do the ASMR thing? Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, uh, that's not ASMR. That's, like, half oh, between ASMR. I wasn't really sure what it ASMR? What's ASMR? ASMR is the, when they whisper. When they whisper. Oh, when they whisper into the mic. Okay. And they do, like... They tap their fingers on things like, <laughs> like that, and then uh, I don't know. Like it's a big craze. It's like a big. I don't know. I don't think it's a fad because it's staying. It's it's been here since like 2014, I think. It's still here. People right. are still liking that whispering. That's interesting. It's, it's like the SNL skit where they the stereotype of golf is that they just whisper the whole time. They're like, "Quiet guys, we just want to hear the grass grow." <laughs> yeah, and that's a Robin Williams stand up. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, not to be a douche or anything. I just want to give the man credit, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So just look up both. But yeah, what I kind of want to do is do a podcast like this where I just sit right next to the mic and just talk about my day. And so today, guys, woke up about 8.30 a.m. and I had a little bit of eggs and a little bit of bacon. And wait, 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 what? 
You had well, eggs and bacon for breakfast? I had eggs and bacon Not for breakfast. Wanted? Well, you know, this is, I'm just, I'm just, you know, oh, this is all hypothetical. Okay, okay, okay. This, I this thought is, you were on a diet of just water. Have I never mentioned that before? Wait, wait, what? Have I never mentioned that I don't eat breakfast? Wait, do you? This is oh. insane. I can't believe I've never mentioned this to you guys. Oh, well, this is, I, <laughs> I thought you ate darn. breakfast. Darn. You don't eat breakfast. <laughs> is it true that you run too? Do you run? No, you don't eat breakfast and you run. Have I never mentioned any of these things to you guys? Oh my god, I've missed out on so many good. Are your runs like pretty long? How Uh, long are your runs? Double digit miles, boys. Double digit miles? Uh huh. Wow. You must be getting like dopamine rush to the head. Oh, I know. Runners high. I'm just going to throw that out there, but I did 10 miles yesterday. Well, you did 10 miles yesterday? How many miles I did yesterday? Not 10. <laughs> That's how crazy that is. You wow. did 10 miles. Dude, Wait, you've never mentioned that before. I went to Spotify <laughs> and typed in like motivational soundtracks paired with like motivational speakers. And dude, you could run for like hours. Wow. It's so good. How many hours could you run for? Like 10 oh, hours? Dude, yeah, probably, probably like 10 hours. Probably. Yeah, probably 10, ten, hours. 10 miles too. Right? 10 miles for sure. In 10 hours? Yeah. Yes, that's how. I could do that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but um, what were we talking about? <laughs> some we can edit some. some now nah, we don't need like the equator or something. The equator, <laughs> equator, and, uh, like Spain, and ludicrous, ludicrous, <laughs> and Trump, and Trump. Yeah, but yeah, um, I, I like somehow I've managed to not really have any Trump conversations since for like a year and a half. That's really impressive. I'm like I'm probably just been in a year. I think I had one yeah. a year ago, but... Yeah. What I want to do... I don't think... I, so with a law podcast, I try to keep it really impartial. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to just get some constitutional law professor and just be like, hey, guy, I'm going to give you 30 minutes. Just go off. Go off. Just let... It, just talk about how... Just talk about whatever you want and just forget being impartial for a second and just let it loose. Yeah. I would be very curious to see what he'd do. Now, I'm not going to do that because this podcast, my, that podcast is impartial. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to keep it that way. There's something about that that I just, you know, What I if like. you put a link on that podcast to a separate podcast that was just like super all the way? Just say what you think. Yeah. You know what I would like to hear? For sure. Is um, like this, what you just said, that professor, this law professor go off mm-hmm. and then find some like super... Um, pro Trump dude. Yeah. Have interview him. Have him go off, and then find the argument points, and then just have them side by side. Yeah. Um, that that actually is a really that's a really good idea. Uh, Rogan does some stuff like that with like diet stuff. He did recently like a uh, a vegan vegan guy and a keto or whatever guy. Yeah, keto. you can remain impartial if you put both of them. Yeah. But I like that, especially like law professors. They would probably I don't know how hard they would go. But well, they liked it. I mean, that, that's what, that's what they went to school for is debating stuff. So yeah. that could be pretty, pretty exciting. Uh, that'd be fun. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like on campus, the majority of teachers I've had are like very obviously not pro-Trump. Right. Um, which, I mean, I don't know why you would. I mean, why would you still be pro-Trump? Especially if you're in Iowa. Like, you know those tariffs he put on? Like they're like honestly just hurting us like they yeah. kill soybean and it doesn't make sense like why is are the tariffs hurting iowa dude like okay sorry this is getting it's okay i mean it's your it's your pod okay yeah but like seriously like you know what you want 
like, I don't know, I was watching this thing about how China, when they did their tariffs, they did it, like, super strategically. And, right. like, if you compare the way they do, you did, uh, Trump did the tariffs, it's, like, just, he threw, like, darts at a board and was like, yeah, that's what we're yeah, going to do. Definitely. Instead of, like, thinking about, like, yo, maybe we shouldn't be hurting Iowa because they voted for Trump. Yeah. This, the... The one main problem with having a super polarized country right now politically with, you know, the media and how that's influenced it is that then there's more incentive for politicians like Trump to do things specifically to make a certain group happy Mm. because you actually can. Like back in the days when there was just one impartial, uh, a few impartial media outlets like ABC, CBS, NBC, it's just hard to do like one thing that that you can make people happy because they were just Mm. going right down the middle. But you can kind of do that now. And so there's certain things he's doing, like tax cuts in the middle of an economy that's doing really well, which is something you should never do. Mm-hmm. Um, the tariff situation is just, is like so transparently designed to just make a certain group of people happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think that's the most annoying part. For real. Um, what I want to do is keep a, keep a log of how much we talk about politics and the number of views we have. Yeah. And see how those correspond. Right. See what uh, type well, of listening listener base we have. If if we did a podcast that was like specifically about politics, and we put in the title like this politics, is, like, yeah, <laughs> make it clearly about politics. I harm. I guarantee you, it would go up. It would go up. I, I, I harm. Really? Okay. Go down. So I think I think some people would be annoyed by it and would not want the podcast to be. They wouldn't want us to do like five episodes in a row of politics. Yeah. But. It gets people fired up for whatever reason. Like, like Noah, you wrote one article about politics, right? And that yeah, easily got the most activity. One, yeah. That got by far the most activity. And they, there's a bunch of really hateful comments on Facebook when the ice is really... Hateful might be a little strong. Wait, um, towards you? Um, yeah, Wait, to, towards the Daily and me. And they, like, blocked a lot of the comments so people can see. Oh, really? Them. Yeah, and... But, like, I didn't... This I wouldn't say this was... A great article it wasn't very in-depth and mainly because i could only write like 500 words okay what were you writing about again? about gun control and so wait were you pro or i was pro pro banning guns or yeah, pro? Yeah. okay yeah. yeah and so and I, it wasn't like i didn't do a great job at it but like anyway there's a lot of backlash and it received a ton of attention yeah way more on like on facebook than any of the other articles no that makes sense like, yeah so- that's it's like probably really five, six times more than any of the other articles. No, any attention is good attention. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I I think people say, like, you know, they're super tired of politics and stuff, and I think a lot of people are. But then you have other people who will not tune into anything unless it's politics. Yeah. So I think if we did explicitly start doing political stuff, mm-hmm. I think we, there'd be a certain group of people who, wouldn't, who had never listened to us before that would start listening. No, yeah, I think we need more, like... Our generation, we need to have more people in the middle. Like, we need to have people that are paying Definitely. attention. Not, like, nonstop, obviously, because you have to have your life. But you have to be... You should be paying attention, man. Like, the things that... The people we vote for are the people that are going to make the decisions that change the world. Like, yeah. no matter how, like, small you think your vote is, whether or not you think it's, like, worth it, like, you should be voting. Like, you should be yeah. paying attention because, like... I mean... How are you going to feel if... You vote for someone, or you don't, let's say you don't go vote for someone, and this person wins, and then this person 
decides let's go to war with all these countries and all of a sudden your cousin, your mom, like whoever gets like deployed and it's like, dude, and it's like a senseless war. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, on one of the podcasts I did that was like a real, it was about politics, but it's super impartial. I think it was, I, I did a guide to the Bill of Rights with a professor or he did a, he did the guide to the Bill of Rights. I just read off the rights. Mm-hmm. But I, for the intro of that podcast, I mentioned like, it, the, you, if you have, a, you, like, we have a platform here that people start listening to. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we can offer uh, impartial or down the middle of the road stuff, thoughts about politics and stuff, or like, even if like one of us like takes one side of debate and the other person takes the other side, like having those kind of conversations. It's I important. Think, yeah, it's important. I think we have an obligation mm-hmm. to do it. Like, we got a certain amount of people listening to this to mm-hmm. begin with. And. Um, for a lot of people, I don't think they really get introduced to uh, to, uh, discussions about politics unless it's super right or left. Yeah. If you think about, like, a lot of people, like, when are they encountering a conversation about politics that's right right in the middle? Yeah, where it's, like, both sides. Both sides are right in the middle. And that's the thing is there's, I've heard so many, like, like, I'm a liberal, but, like, I've heard so many other, like, super hardcore liberals be like, yo, this guy was talking super this way or that way and I was just like yo I'm not gonna even listen yeah. I'm like dude that's the same like you complain about that people not listening to you all the time you should just give them an ear like right. what's the worst that happens like you disagree yeah you disagree right. I mean like yeah I mean, maybe they say stuff that you really don't like hearing but I mean you expect them to listen to you without you yeah. listening to them come on yeah yeah uh, there is a there's an app like if for people who do want to read about politics and news, there's an app called Read Across the Aisle, and it keeps track of, it has a bunch of different media organizations on the same app that you can read, Mm -hmm. and it keeps track of where, first of all, it tells you where those organizations are on the political spectrum, so it tells Mm -hmm. you, like, it'll have, like, darker red, the more more conservative it is, and and darker blue, the more liberal it is, and then it keeps track of, like, your total time spent at different places and like gives you a marker like where you are reading on like com- a total like what whether you what, read more literal right exactly so it's like a moving little thing that's that shows you where you're at um and so i think stuff like that's really helpful it could be really helpful to people mm-hmm. um and then just just introduces them to new sources mm-hmm. that are down the middle like I mean, it's, and it's also it's kind of hard to know which ones are and which ones aren't. Like, you just get on Facebook, though. Like, that'd you, be a good you, first step. Like, if you ever see anything political on Facebook, Facebook is such a lie. Yeah. And everyone falls for it so hard. Yeah. Like, there's this video. I think I told you about it. There's this video of this boy, this nine-year-old boy. He's super jacked. He's got really long hair. Kind of, like, from the back, it looks like it could be a girl because he's got, really, like, a big, long ponytail. Yeah. Um, and he plays soccer really well. And there's this video of him playing soccer. And I'm like, I've seen this video before. And um, someone was playing this video from a Facebook post. And this post, this Facebook post says, look at that, that little girl go. And it's this girl, like this boy beating all these like bigger boys in soccer. Yeah. And like this person that posted this video had the choice to be like, all right, I'm going to post it as it is. Or he, th- like, what he thought was, or he or she thought was, you know what? People are going to watch this if they think it's a little girl beating a bunch of guys. Right. So I'm going to do that. And then everyone in the comments said, 
oh, that girl's awesome. Because, I mean, like, if you if the video says it's a girl, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. yeah why would why would yeah, the video yeah. lie? Right. You know? Right, right. And just, to, it's, like, these little lies that, like, it goes so far. And, like, I'm like, yo, this is a boy. And I'd explain it to the, these people. I'm like, yo, this is a boy. And that was just, like, another reminder. Like, yo, Facebook is crazy. Like, yeah. Right. They, like, um, I was reading an article on fake news. And there was this guy, he lives in Arizona and he would literally just like, it was like a part-time job basically. Cause he got so much ad revenue from it. He would like write the most insane articles. Um, and like, so he like, the, he's a liberal, but he would write to like super conservative people and write the most insane stories that are obviously not true. Right. And like they would just like get eaten up, and they would spread like wildfire. Yeah, right. yeah, that's pretty wild. A lot of a lot of confirmation bias happening out there right now. And his yeah. idea was that his idea was that like, okay, we'd spread these really ridiculous stories, and they would get a lot of attention, and then they would be like, oh, these are stories are fake, and people would be like, oh, I've been looking at fake stories, but like obviously people don't care. Yeah. They just be like, oh no, I mean yeah, it was fake, but it could have been true. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast talking about initially how social media seemed like a really good thing because you could customize what, everything you saw to your exact interest, mm-hmm. everything that pertained to you. It's more insular. Right, yeah. And it, it, I guess for things that aren't politics, it could have some big advantages because you see like sports stuff you're interested in mm-hmm. or whatever, music or whatever it is. But the real, yeah, when it comes to politics, it becomes a real problem mm-hmm. because all you see is stuff that's reinforcing what you already believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, none of this is breaking like news. Said, but go ahead. Go for it. None of this is breaking news. Like we all know that, like, it's not good to see stuff you already believe in all the time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we might as well talk about it too. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, confirmation bias. I think a lot of people just look at the articles just that agree with them, and like in biology, last semester they were saying that in science that scientists are supposed to go find things to disprove their theories mm-hmm. or beliefs and and then that will firm up their beliefs if the beliefs are actually true yeah yeah and like who's gonna do that when you're on like if you're if you're getting your information from facebook you're already like just like huh, why not yeah. yeah yeah and i think for a lot of people getting angry about something is something they can it's a way to feel an emotion pretty easily mm-hmm so if you think about it, like if you have, if you don't have a ton of meaning in what you're doing throughout your day, and you don't really get to feel a lot of strong emotions in any direction, like any kind of satisfaction, any kind of resistance, any kind of anything strong, one good way to do it is to get upset about something. Get upset, yeah. Yeah, and you can do that really easily. Whereas you can't get satisfaction. True satisfaction is hard to get. True, you know, there's a lot of different things that are hard to get. You can get angry real quick. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I know a lot of people who like. It's like okay, yeah, we, we you don't you you don't believe whoever that is a good politician. Reading more anti that is not going to make you believe that anymore. So you're mm-hmm. clearly not doing it to come to a certain conclusion about a topic. Yeah. You're only doing it for the anger, for the whatever. You know. Yeah. Do you think culture spreads the way Facebook spreads things? Uh, what, what do you mean? Like, so like okay, that was just. Trying to get my my topic back on track. <laughs> I just have my own personal motives. No, definitely, dude. This is your first question. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, do you think so? Okay, let's talk about the spread of culture okay. and like acculturation. So acculturation is very bad when it's like what we've seen, where it's just like 
um, the original culture creates something beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then the second party comes in, sees that it's marketable, and then sells it, giving no money or respect to the original culture. Um, This is the very, like, obvious story that's, like, we, we all, like, don't want that to happen. But then, like, let's take, for example, um, in Boone, there's, like, a Mexican restaurant. You take your kid there every day, eating quesadillas, eating chips and salsa every day. Every day. Like, at what point can you say that, like, this kid, like, okay, let's bring some other factors in. This kid's brought up with... Um, let's say a bunch of Spanish speaking classmates. Um, there, this kid's taught like a bunch of different, um, Spanish culture aspects. And then like, he's go, he's going to this restaurant every day. Like at what point can you say this isn't part of his culture? Cause it, this is like how he's right. brought up. Um, so like at what point are we exposed to another culture? And that culture is actually part of us, you know? Yeah. That's a really good question. Because you can't sit... So let's see. Like, if you got some dude out in the middle of nowhere... That, or not in the middle of nowhere, but, like, some guy that wants to make just money, make money, right? And he's like, oh, rap. I'm going to make a bunch of money off of rapping. And I'm going to, like, just copy what, like, all the artists are doing and just make money like that. Obviously, that's wrong. Like, that's not, that's not cool. You shouldn't be stealing right. someone else's culture. But let's say you got this kid... Um, like let's say we got this Tommy Galloway, but he grew up in this area that's like super heavy in the hip hop culture and right. everyone around him is really big into hip hop. Everyone around him like lives this hip hop lifestyle, right? Yeah. You got breakdancing club, you got like this, uh, music studio. How can you say just because this kid's a certain way, this kid doesn't have like, he can't, this Tommy Galloway boy can't be rapping. Right. Yeah, I think in a situation like that, that is perfectly, perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Um, or let's say you've got... Because, like... Um, yeah. What are your opinions? Yeah. Well, so, okay, earlier we, we sort of got back into this uh, with social media and how that... Like, how that uh, brings different cultures. People, are get, uh, people get associated with different cultures more easily with their mm-hmm. social media or become more aware of, aware of certain cultures. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about, I mean, we both, we all grew up in smaller towns. Yeah. And at least for our sure, our town kind of isolated. And if it wasn't for social media, and certainly say like before TV or say like 100 years ago, we would have looked, we have been very different than the people. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Des Moines or or especially even Des Moines. but Especially in our city, like just the way we were. But because, but like, I don't think... I, I mean, I didn't really fit in there. In Des Moines or in, or your in town? our town? Yeah. And, but being able to kind of get on social media or just access to kind of outside world, you you kind of see what other cultures are out there or lifestyles that you would fit in better. Yeah. And then you kind of already can start sort of being like that mm-hmm. and not really feel stuck where you are. Yeah, exactly. So from that aspect, like, I'm pretty ha- thankful for that, like that aspect of the ability mm-hmm. to act, interact with different cultures through technology, through whatever, just so you can kind of see what's out there and see where you might fit in better. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's really interesting, like, so when I grew up, I didn't really, like, I wasn't really aware of, like, putting names to different cultures, like, the way that we call it, like, Chicano culture, Chicano culture. I didn't realize it was, like, I just thought, like, people, people act the way they do. People act differently. I mean, like, I was the same as you. I mean, not, I was, I think my town was a little bit smaller than you guys. Mm-hmm. I come from a town of, like, 200. You guys are, like, what, 7,000? 1,000. 1,000. You got all you, so you guys are pretty close to my size, yeah. But, like, yeah, I was the same way. Like, I just, I wasn't really exposed to much. Right. And, um, I was, like, scraping at straws to, like, be entertained by things. Right. And so I would just, like, take home DVDs from the library because my, fa- my family, we didn't have internet for a long time, you know? Right. And so I would just take home it, it, movies from the library and I watched, like, Dragon Ball Z all the time and that would be, like, my big inspiration. So, like, like look at that like a, a show from Japan right is my part of my culture because like that's what I grew up on it was like just like Japanese um, manga and Japanese anime and so like I can't say that that's not part of my culture because that's what I grew up on right and I wasn't in contact with anybody that was from Japan I wasn't in contact with any like Japanese club and but I was like every day watching Japanese shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else? No, that's about it. <laughs> I, do, do we did a nice solid 50 minutes here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look at that. That's crazy. Time flies. That's a pretty good project right there. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, well, for Thomas Galloway. Evan Isabel. Noah Galloway. Everyone have a great night. See ya.